listeners and welcome to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and are looking to live a more sustainable and eco-friendly life. Now all opinions expressed here in this episode are purely our own and are no way associated with any professional organizations or facilities. Also this podcast can be PG-13 so if you have younger listeners out there make sure to go ahead and review the audio content beforehand. And with that let's get started. Welcome listeners. As you may have guessed, this is going to be something of a different episode. It's just me today, your host, Kenzie. Unfortunately, the other queens couldn't make it for our regularly scheduled content, so we decided to give you guys a little mini-sode. Now, as most of you are probably aware, it is spooky season, one of my favorite times of year, and I thought it would be fun for me to share some spooky stories from my field work when I was an undergrad at the University of Tennessee. And with that, let's go ahead and just jump right on in. So in the summer of 2016, I had applied to be a research associate. I was really excited. It was going to be my research project or part of my research project. I had a wonderful partner. His name was Andrew. Andrew, if you're listening to this, I love you. You're amazing and I miss you. And what we were doing is we were assigned to look at different hibernacula or cave systems where bats were known to roost during the day. And for two hours a night, we would sit there with thermal imaging cameras and night vision goggles, and we'd even have a sound capture uh, piece of technology. I can't remember what it's called anymore, but it was a box with a little microphone attached to it. And essentially what we did was we sat there and counted how many bats entered and exited the cave and we would record it on a video camera as well. And then we would review the footage the next day just to make sure that our account was accurate. It wasn't exactly the most exciting all the time, just sitting there in front of a cave opening, waiting, watching. Some caves were bustling with activity. And I definitely found some other critters that like to come around near the caves at night, like one very cute skunk. And then other caves were kind of a bust. Now the one that stands out in particular though is in a place called Lookout Mountain just outside or is it inside the perimeter of Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's kind of on the border between Tennessee and Georgia and about an hour or so drive away from northern Alabama. Now my partner was on the other side of the mountain and he was well, not too far away from the main parking lot. My site, however, on my side of the mountain was a 20-minute drive down a dirt trail and then a 10-minute hike up a dry riverbed onto the side of the mountain. Just a little hole in the ground, almost. And so I would sit there for two hours in the dark, watching, waiting. And of course, this would be the cave that no bats were found in. So sitting there alone in the dark with my thoughts, and definitely as someone who maybe indulges a little too much into listening to scary stories and ghosts and scary films, not exactly the most comfortable scenario. Now, to quote Michael Scott from The Office, I'm not superstitious, but 
I'm a little stitious. And I can't help but think sometimes if maybe that site I went to wasn't a little cursed. And I'll tell you why. A couple things happened at that site to me. The first time, or one of the first instances I can recall, we had a wildfire break out a little less than a mile from my site specifically. It was a very dry year, wildfires were very common, and of course, I had just done my wildfire management course that previous semester. So as I'm sitting there, it's dusk, the sun is beginning to set, I'm getting my equipment ready to go, and I can still smell the wood smoke. And as I'm sitting there on the hillside, I keep remembering how in class they told us that fire always moved faster uphill. I think it has to do either with the wind currents or just the debris. I honestly can't remember. Luckily, I had a ranger contact that I could call and I told him that I wasn't exactly feeling the most comfortable and that I could smell the wood smoke. I was able to leave early that day, thank goodness, but still not fun. But then there was another incident. I remember driving up to the gate that would lead me down the dirt road and just above the gate, there was a tree. There were a lot of trees, but in this tree, I noticed a barred owl. Now, it was still light out, but it was getting close to sunset, so I didn't think really much of it. The sky was also really gray, and I was worried a storm might be coming through. Well, I continued down the trail. Things are going fine. I park at the spot where I marked with my reflective flags and started hiking up the trail with my gear. As soon as I reach the place where the little hole is sitting, the little cave, I look out and through the trees I can see really deep purplish clouds, almost. And I check my cell phone. There wasn't a great signal, but I was able to get enough to look at the weather report and data. And as I looked down at it, there was a massive, massive thundercell coming my way. And my partner at the time, We'll call him Josh. My regular partner wasn't there that week. He started calling me frantically over our radios, telling me to get the heck out. Luckily, I had enough common sense that as soon as I saw those gray clouds, I hadn't unpacked or set up any of my gear. And of course, right after he calls me, I just remember hearing this wind whoosh through and all the trees just start swaying. And it sounds like roaring almost and I remember looking off to my left and I see a poplar tree and it starts to fall in the distance and I realize I need to get out now remember this site is up a dry stream bed it's rocky there's plenty of places I can trip and twist my ankle and I don't know if maybe it was adrenaline or dumb luck but I managed to make it down without injury and I had to dodge trees as they were swaying and looked like they were about to be uprooted. It was not a fun time, and honestly, it's probably one of the scariest moments in my life. I was praying I would be able to come back home and make it safely and see my parents. That sounds very dramatic, but I made it. I got into my truck. A tree, of course, had fallen down, but it was a small tree that was mostly rotted, so I was able to get over it. And I notice as I'm driving out, the barred owl is back. He's just kind of sitting up there in one of the tree limbs looking at me. I like to think maybe he was a guardian or a protector. 
Maybe I'm just being silly. Again, little stitches. I'm able to make it back. I'm soaked to the bone, shaken, but I make it. But I also remember at the place where we were lodging, there was a park ranger, very friendly, very knowledgeable, and he was part Cherokee. And he told me that in some Cherokee lore, owls are associated with kind of what their version of witch doctors are, and not the good kind. So was I being tracked by some angry sorcerer? I don't know, probably not, let's be real, honestly. But sometimes when it's late at night and I've been watching a scary movie, sometimes I stop and wonder and think, but anyways, moving on. But that wasn't the only time that things got scary. Another night, I was coming back down from a yet again unsuccessful watch, and I heard voices calling out in the forest. Now, I listen to true crime, and of course, me, five foot one, small, petite, little girl, young woman, in the middle of the forest, 20 minutes down a dirt trail. Not, again, an ideal situation, and I start running through the worst case scenario. Should I respond? Should I stay quiet? I called out once or twice because I thought I heard my name, but I could have been wrong. Well, when I make it back to the trail where my truck is parked, turns out I'm boxed in by two other vehicles. One vehicle looks like a civilian's. I don't recognize it at all. And the other, thank goodness, is a police car. Now, of course, this doesn't make me feel very good. So I contact my person who's supposed to be watching out for me and is my link to the outside world in case worse things happen. And, uh... I tell them, hey, I'm boxed in. There's like a police car and another car. What should I do? Should I get in the police car? It's open and call the radio. Well, that's what I did. So I called on the radio. I explained the situation and they said, yeah, we're actually out looking for some people who got lost on the trail. And I think, oh, well, that's not good. Luckily, they were able to find the people. It was a mom and her kids. They got lost on the trail at some point and got turned around in the dark and I ended up hauling out all the volunteer search and rescue people in my truck. And I was referred to as the Bat Lady. And actually, that was a pretty good night. A little scary, though, when you hear disembodied voices calling out in the middle of the woods at night. And then you come across two strange cars. Well, one strange car and a police car. Again, kind of weird. But the last story, and perhaps the creepiest, was my very last night at the site and I was ready for the field season to be over specifically at that site never really quite felt comfortable I would hear a lot of coyotes running around and of course deer marking their way through the forest and if you ever hear what deer sound like it's actually kind of creepy and kind of scary especially again when you're sitting alone in the dark so as I was driving in my contact for the evening told me that there have been sightings of wild boar and to keep an eye out. Now, listeners, if you're not familiar, wild boar are an invasive species in the U.S. and they cause a lot of damage, uh, not only to human property, but also a lot of natural ecosystems as well. They tend to be very destructive. They uproot things. 
they damage a lot of plants, and they push out other animals as well. And not to mention, they have quite the temper, and they're smart too, which doesn't make for a combination you want to come across. So of course I say, yes, I'll keep my eye out, I'll be aware. And I make it up to the site. Things are fine. I sit there for two hours. Nothing shows up. And then finally my timer goes off, and I know, finally, I get to go home. So as I'm packing up my bags and saying, see you later, never, I start to hear the familiar crack, crack, crack of a tree about to fall over. Immediately, I'm thinking back to when I was there when the storm rolled through and I almost had a tree fall on me. Naturally, I booked it down that mountainside, stumbling over rocks, going through bushes, thorns, spider webs, you name it. Somehow, still managed to not twist my ankle. And then I get down to where I'm about to cross the stream bed and make my way towards the truck where it's parked. But before I cross over the stream bed, in the light of my headlamp, I see something move. It's big. And I see two front-facing eyes flashing at me in the dark. Listeners, when I tell you I almost pissed myself, I almost pissed myself. It's not exactly something you want to come across in the dark. Luckily for me, and thank you, Mom, my mother had gotten me a whistle. And I remembered, stand your ground. Don't run. It just encourages them to follow you. So I stood my ground. I blew my whistle. I made myself big. I waved my arms. I shouted. I yelled. I took stones and I threw at them. And I guess I'm assuming it was a boar because boars are pretty big and very intimidating. It kind of just looked at me and you could almost see it thinking as if, nah, it's not worth it. And it walked away. And once more, I speed walked my way back to the truck, blowing the whistle the whole time in case Mr. Boar wanted to come around and take a piece of me. Luckily, I made it back to the truck without instant, and I floored it as safely as I could, of course, down that trail into the gate and back towards civilization. I called my contact and told her that I had quite the official send-off, and I vowed to myself I would never go back up to that site again. So those are just some stories, listeners, of being out in the field. You encounter a lot of strange things and sometimes strange people, and it can be pretty exciting. That being said, while I miss field work to an extent, and I miss the bats, and I miss the camaraderie of being with other biologists late in the night in the woods, I don't think I would ever want to be by myself again, sitting on that mountain, waiting for a tree to fall. So remember, listeners, next time you go out in the woods, pay attention to your surroundings and don't go alone. Ah, I'm kidding. Well, you know, take precautions or whatever, but you get me. Anyways, that's been our mini-sode for tonight. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you have any feedback, please feel free to email us at conservationqueenspodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on any of our social media posts. Speaking of which, if you're not already following us, go ahead and give us a like and a follow. 
And also a huge thank you to our Patreon supporters, and especially to Beluga Bath Company. We were actually able to meet them earlier. We will definitely talk about it more next episode, but it was so lovely, Kelly and Chris, being able to meet you guys, and thank you again so much for your support. So hope everyone is having a fantastic day, and remember, stay safe and stay sustainable. Goodbye. Oh, <laughs> oh,